This is the World of Work podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. I wanted to let you know that as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that you're welcome to attend wherever you are in the world. You can learn more about them and register for them via our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io. Hello and welcome to this episode of the World of Work podcast. You've got James here. And this is Jane. And today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be doing a series of podcasts that are just for two of us. Jane, what are we doing in the series and what are we doing today? Hello, James. It's nice to be hey. back. So today is the first episode of a new series that we're recording. A different take than we've done before. So we've been having a chat about what we think big challenges in the world and what particularly the challenges that managers face in the workplace. So we're going to be doing a whole series of yours and my reflections on how to address a challenge, a problem or a situation in the workplace that a manager might be right in the middle of. And we might occasionally have guests in to help us think this through and that'll be great. But the idea really is to focus each episode on a specific situational challenge. And we really hope that listeners will enjoy it, but also think about how they might approach those challenges. And we want to hear from you if you've got different ideas and thoughts, as we also want to hear from you if there is a particular challenge you would like us to talk about. So do feel free to get in touch on our social media. But today we are particularly going to be talking about what happens when a manager wants to create or transition to a more coaching culture or more coaching-led approach in their team. And for each episode, we will start by explaining a little bit of the situation so or the context. So in a minute, James is going to talk to you exactly the situation we're imagining. And then we're going to share our own reflections on our experiences of this challenge or situation. And then we'll talk about some of our thoughts on how we might go about doing it, some of the challenges that might people face, people might face, some of the questions is they might want to start asking at the beginning of the journey to see if they're ready and if they understand how they're going to go about it. And also like some of the signs of when you succeeded. So we're really going to talk through process of how to understand, address, and then manage a solution to a challenge or situation. And then as always, we'll wrap up and check out and leave you to enjoy and reflect on what we've been talking about. Yeah, so brilliant. James- I'm excited about this. Yeah. I think it's going to be great for us to be talking through these different challenges and exploring a little bit in the moment and kind of trying to navigate through and share our thoughts. So if you do have specific challenges you're interested in, please do share them. It's, it's always great to hear the real dilemmas that people are facing. So please do get in touch with us. Today then, what's the specific context that we're looking at today? Well, we're looking at somebody who wants to make that shift to more of a coaching approach or a coaching culture in their team. They're an individual manager and they're kind of looking to start this off and make these changes. And the manager we're thinking about, if this is, you're going to be competent already, you're going to be doing pretty well, your team's going to be doing pretty well. You'll have been managing for a couple of years. So no concerns. Generally, things are good. But somewhere along the way recently, you've heard about coaching as an approach or a coaching approach to management. You'd like to make that jump. You're maybe not totally sure where to go, but you've got a sense that this could be good for you. Your organization, the wider organization you're part of, your wider team isn't resistant to coaching, but it doesn't really have much of a view. So it doesn't really have an intentional approach to adopting sort of a coaching approach across teams. It's not resistant, but it's not really part of a wider culture. And your own manager doesn't really know much about coaching. They're happy for you to try something. You've got a good relationship with them. They're happy for you to give it a go, particularly if you think it'll help. They'll trust you to try stuff. But they don't really have the sort of knowledge or resources to help you. And they're probably just going to observe you a little bit along this journey without having too much great insight to share with you on it. So that's where we are. That's the context that we're looking to explore today. 
So, Jay, have you been here? Have you been here yourself? Have you seen other people here? What's your sense of this as a as a context or situation for managers well, to be in? I mean, aside from the fact that I think our listeners know us well enough to know that we wouldn't have started with the context we haven't experienced. Oh, I don't know how. I have mixed feelings about starting with this one because I still have, I guess, conflicting feelings about this being done well and proportionately and appropriately with the right people. And so I've experienced it because I was woefully poor at it early in my career as a manager. Those of you who know that I worked in event operations and that requires, it has a fairly low tolerance for mistakes because of the health and safety aspects and the risk, things like that. And therefore, I think it would be fair to say that I was fairly dictatorial about the way things should be done. And finding out that wasn't the best way to develop people was a bit of a shock to the system. But I would also say this is a context we see quite a lot now with managers who fortunately are much more enthusiastic about it and are in organizations exactly like you described in the context or scenario, right? So they're not in bad places, they're in good places, but the manager's a little bit distant from it. And they're like, yeah, you crack on. And if you want to move to a more coaching-led approach, great, but you just still need to deliver the work you're doing and we'll just let you get on with it. And I think a lot of managers don't really know where to start. And sometimes we see that in some of our client work. I think for me, it crops up the most when we're doing other work. So we're like doing a project with someone around psychological safety or change management. And in doing so, it becomes apparent there are lots of brilliant managers who are maybe in a very hierarchical situation with the way they delegate and the way they give people tasks. And we can see potential in those people working for them and those managers are open to it, but they're not really sure where to start. So yeah, so I I like lived experience of the personal ongoing battle to balance between coaching and giving people space to fail and understanding relatively middle to high reliability requirements of safety and responsibilities like that and kind of trying to balance the two. Yeah. And I guess I commonly see it in, sounds really obvious, but places where there's been no management training and personal development is left to the individual because they've gone off and they've explored (laughs) and they're like, oh, I want to be a more coaching led manager, but there's not the practicalities of it. So yeah, that would be my experience. What about you, James? Where have you seen it? Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? Yeah, similar to you. I think my sort of natural state of communicating with people and working with people fits a little bit more into that coaching style. I think that sort of fits a little bit with my personality. So I think I've always kind of wanted to be in that space. But throughout my career, when I have been, when I moved into management, when I've managed larger teams, I didn't really know what that was like, how to go about it. So I had a desire to be in that space, but didn't really know how to navigate it well and what it was like or have a language or have a confidence around it. So I've definitely experienced and kind of lived that myself and the desire to get there. And I've been in teams that had no knowledge of this. And what's that? It's a sort of alien word for people. So I've been in that space and I've definitely seen it with clients as well. Similar to you, when people talk about other challenges that they are facing at a management level or at a team or organizational level, sometimes this move to coaching falls out of those conversations as something they're desirous of doing without necessarily knowing about it at the start of the situation. Something else I've seen a few times when I've been speaking to people as well is this sort of sense in organizations that our current way of managing isn't working. So people have this knowledge, I guess, old way of managing, but a more hierarchical approach doesn't necessarily work for them and their organizations, but they don't really know where to go. And I'm not saying that a coaching approach is the ultimate solution for those types of things, but it's something worth exploring when we are challenging that sort of scientific management terrorism approach that a lot of organizations still have and looking to kind of shake that up a little bit. So I've spoken to people who are maybe a little bit more senior who feel that something needs to change, but they don't really quite know what that is and how do you empower 
empower more and bring some of those alternate ways of doing things. So I see it come out in those situations as well. And in those larger situations, shift towards this broader way of doing things feels a little bit like it sits in the culture change space as well as that leadership development, management development space as well. I love having those conversations. I love when leaders kind of challenge the management ethos that exists in their organization can be better. And it's not, I guess, right for everyone, but it's really great to be having those conversations and looking for something better and a little bit newer and contemporary, I guess. So those are my thoughts. So I guess we've touched on it a little bit here, but why? Like, why might somebody be wanting to do this? So how do you think somebody might sort of face into this? And they've heard about coaching, a coaching approach as a manager. Why might they have their curiosity peaked and be interested in doing this? What might the draw be for? Well, I think, well, it's interesting, isn't it? So there's increasing literature academically on coaching, the role uh-huh. of coaching and how it influences people's skills development, learning development, performance in teams. And what there's some good evidence out there, a coaching approach can be integral. I guess for me, I'm always more interested in for something like this, where I've seen it most work and therefore why it might be most of benefit to some teams in particular. And I guess the thing that I always come back to that I don't really pick up, maybe I've just not been looking at the right literature and academic stuff. But for me, the thing that I always come back to, maybe it's quite a selfish aspect as an ex-manager is A, you're teaching people quite often how to better make the decision or take on or solve the problem rather than approving a solution. Because when you coach someone, they go through the process of understanding if you do it well. I think you go through that process together of how to approach a problem or solve a problem or design a project or whatever it is you're doing with them, right? I think that and they're much more likely to remember it and also feel skilled to be able to attack maybe a different problem next time. So I think there's something about, and I think that means your job is easier but also more interesting because for me, my experience with some of the teams I've worked with myself is that your job gets more interesting when you coach because A, they might do it differently, which as you can imagine, I dealt with interesting. Uh, yeah, that'd be amazing to watch. <laughs> How dare you do what? it differently and potentially even as well, but in a completely oh, different way. Oh, I know. Way. What a threat that is. What a threat. So I think that's much more interesting, but also it creates people who work for you on paper, but who are better at being your peer of discussion, thinking, exploration. And that for me makes the job more interesting. And so I realized that's not the obvious place to start about why someone might do it. But once I cottoned onto that, for me, I was like, wow, I'm doing this all the time because I no longer feel alone. I no longer feel alone in this management position, thinking through these problems, because I now have all these people who work for me, but who are beginning to understand how to approach things in a more meta or holistic way, rather than just taking direction. And generally, those people were more creative once they had that of how to expand their own role, not necessarily with more work, but like expand their own thinking around stuff. So for me, I know there's some really like interesting debates at the moment about the evidence of how effective it is and who for and all of that. But for me, that sort of making the manager role more interesting and engaging and keeping good managers more learning as a really different twist, but something I get really excited about. So for me, that will always be the sell for me to managers generally. And I couldn't agree more. It does for me and maybe not for everyone. It creates a more interesting managerial role, a different set of challenges, a different way of doing things, just more intellectually stimulating and it changes some of the relationships. And I feel that when I've adopted a more coaching approach, I feel a little bit more sort of like mentory and less bossy and more connected. And that is more rewarding in those roles. But I'm also quite a believer that if we can adopt approaches like this well, we can create better outcomes for people as well. We can help them 
be more creative, help them have more enjoyment in their work, more of a sense of agency, learn more, which we know is great. We can have all those sort of organizational benefits and benefits for the people working for us as well as benefits for ourselves. So it does feel like that win-win. And again, not all these things are right for everybody and not right in every organization or every context, but I think it is a win-win. I think it helps us as managers have better experiences, helps our direct reports have more growth and development and helps everybody be a little bit better at their jobs. So we'll perform a little bit better as a team as well. So yeah, so it feels good to me. I just wanted to ask, I was just thinking it might be useful to, at this stage, just explain what we personally mean by a coaching environment or a coaching ledger management. It occurs to me like if someone's listening and maybe they haven't come across this scenario before. And we might have different perspectives. I don't know. But I go first and then maybe... Yeah, why don't you go and then... I'll go first and you can think about whether I... So I'm going to share a definition from MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which is coaching defined as an ongoing approach to managing people, creates a genuinely motivating climate for performance, improves the match between an employee's actual and expected performance, increases the probability of an employee's success by providing timely feedback, recognition, clarity, and support. And for me, although this doesn't exactly define it, I think it's really helpful because I think there's two bits I want to call out that I see coaching as. One is the ongoing approach. So I see the way I managed very early in my career is much more transactional, project-based, task-based. Let's talk about this thing and then this thing. Whereas coaching was more of a journey on a sort of annual or not even an annual basis, but it felt like a much longer process where we had clarity about the spaces and places where the person wanted to grow. And I looked for little opportunities at the right time. So that's why I want to use that definition for mine, because it also has providing timely feedback, recognition, clarity, and support. And for me, it's about interweaving your advice, expertise, support, and great questions for get people thinking in the journey of that employee so they're able to pick and choose from it and that it's all about like helping them reach their goals and keeping an eye on that main goal of a person like maybe they want to get I don't know maybe they want to get better at holding people to account and rather than telling them how I would do it it would be about seeing all the opportunities in their career and giving them a little nudge or a little bit of praise or asking them questions about why they had done it a certain way in the moment and I know that's not how everyone thinks about it but for me it always strike rings quite true that yeah I think there's some great stuff in there and I like the stuff MIT produced it's nice very good I guess I think that what you've shared there feels good if I were to just describe the sort of coaching approach in my own words, I guess it's a little bit like focusing on the destination and helping somebody work out how to get there without giving them specific steps to get there. So that conversation about where we want to be, what an objective is, and then the role as a manager becomes that sort of questioning in some of your words, uh, supporting, timely feedback, celebrating success, all those types of things to help them navigate that journey themselves to get to that end point and to be there as a support function, to be there as the guide rails to make sure they don't go too far off and to help them learn and question and own that journey from wherever they are now to that objective that you're trying to reach as an organization. And for me, it's about reducing hierarchy within the team and about increasing the empowerment of the individual in there so that they can grow and create what needs to be created to get to where they want to get to. And that really is a big part of it for me. It's about helping somebody own it, helping somebody learn, help the trust from along the way to navigate to where they want to be. And I guess that kind of sums up my thoughts on this. And you talk about questions as well. So using that questioning sort of approach to help people navigate through and learn things and find their own realizations as they they make that path. That's really, I guess, what I'm speaking about. Yeah, thanks. That's really helpful. So we've talked a little bit about the why 
and the what it is, in our words at least, and there's loads of different great resources out there to talk about it in more detail. I guess that asks the massive question, if it has so much potential, why doesn't everyone do it? it I can't think that's a just great question. Be, yeah, I think it can't just be like resistance from the whole organization. That's not the only reason people don't do it, right? Yeah. And I guess like thinking about my experience myself and thinking about some other people, I feel like sometimes people just don't know, right? Sometimes we just don't know that there are other ways to do it. Sometimes we just replicate what's gone before us in the way we been managed. Sometimes we might feel like we just don't know where to start. It could be a little bit daunting. We don't know these things. Like I said, when I did some of this stuff in larger organizations, even the word coaching, it's like, oh, what's that? And people just had a, a lack of knowledge in some ways. And I know that's changed in recent years, but I think there is part of that. There's this sort of mirroring the way that you've been managed. And if you've not been managed this way, then maybe you wouldn't know to manage this way. And I think sometimes people are a little bit worried in those types of places of going against the wider culture. And they might lack a bit of a confidence and trust and language to start this journey off. What do you think? What's your view? I, so I definitely agree with all those things. I think there is concern that you won't get immediate results as quickly in the output that you might be doing as if you just tell someone how to do it and that it sometimes takes up more time. And I think that is true in the short term. And this is what I said, like at the beginning, I was saying, oh, I feel a bit complex about this. There are scenarios where I have watched people try to coach a solution, coach someone towards any solution. That person isn't in the mental frame of mind and they just want to be told, tell me how to fix this. Yes, we can do all the coaching, but can you just in this moment tell me how you would fix this so I can go and fix it and stop feeling anxious and stressed about not knowing what to do because I'm not going to be in the open, reflective frame of mind to be able to have this conversation around coaching. I've seen that, particularly stressful or political situations where someone's just like, please just, and I've done it, right? I've been like, no, let's talk about what you would do. And they're like, no, just yeah. tell me. Tell yeah, me what yeah, you yeah. would do. Tell me how you think I can fix this. I will go and do it. And then we can absolutely have a conversation about what I could have done differently in a more yeah. calm space. And so I think there is a concern that it's going to either people are going to do it at the wrong time or that it's going to feel slow. And so I guess one of the things I'm really interested in is how you transition and how you balance that mix of a coaching approach to some of what they're doing and the longer and the medium term stuff but still keep a relatively where people want it and need it or helpful directive approach, I guess. Yeah, that's a great question. And when I talked a little bit about what I think this means for me earlier, one of the things that I mentioned was that sort of word empowerment or autonomy and things like that. And I think as a leader or manager, we need to make an assessment of an individual's I guess, confidence and competence in relation to different areas, as well as that broader, I guess, risk profile of the things that we're speaking about. And I think we can have different levels of empowerment and consequently a different sort of level of coaching approach based on the objectives that someone has and their confidence, competence and risk around this. So I know that we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later, but I don't think that a coaching approach needs to be uniformly adopted in the way that you work with one of your direct reports. So you could have a direct report who's got a series of objectives and for some of them where they're more confident and capable and maybe there is less of a political climate, we could adopt a really coaching approach in relation to that set of objectives and in doing that have a lot more sort of empowerment for them in that space. Whereas in some areas where it maybe was more politically risky or actually operationally risky or where they lacked skills confidence needed to confidently navigate their way through this in a way that's successful for them and the organization maybe take a more attractive approach in there. 
So I think it doesn't need to be a one-size-fits-all approach that we take. And that can bring a little bit of nuance to it and then make it a little bit more difficult as well, because people are rightly sometimes apprehensive of adopting this feel that they need to adopt it. One thing I'd say, though, sort of in relation to that is it's good to be clear on our own sort of approach and how we do this as managers, but also to share that with the team as well. So don't surprise people. We talk about the importance of certainty and understanding the way relationships work in other episodes to, in one instance, totally empower somebody and coach them and in another be really directive and for them not to understand why or to have that pre-agreed could be a problem in itself. So I guess those are some of my initial thoughts on that. Yeah, it's so funny. I literally scribbling down. Sometimes James, it was like, because we see things from either different perspectives, but sometimes we see them exactly the same way. Yeah, fun. And I was just quickly scribbling down articulation, one of my favorite words, but it's like, you can only do that transition and keep that multi-approach way if you are really articulate and transparent about how you're going to show up when, right? So we know, and we talk about social threats all the time in other episodes and our interest in David Rock's work, but I always think that social threat to certainty. And also when we think about trust, that reliability we talk about. And I think one of the biggest, most damaging things managers can do is show up in one way when someone's expecting you to be something else, because it's just really disorienting, right? You're like, I can't rely. I can't be certain about how this manager is going to show up. So I'm going to be nervous and I'm going to just reflect whatever they say. So I think it's really important to sort of have that open conversation. I know that's not easy for everyone, but say, I want to try coaching. I think you're in a place where you're much more capable of solving your own problems than I am of telling you what to do. But let's pick off some areas where we're going to approach it in this way first, because I want to support you and be much more directional for the moment still in this area, because I know it's not necessarily an area where we can afford the same level of risk and fail. And I think people are frightened of saying that and saying, I'm a manager, I've got 10 years experience, I'm probably going to make quicker, better decisions in certain areas than you. And therefore, if we are going to do a split approach to start with, these are the ones that I think we should work with. And I think sometimes managers are a bit nervous of saying something like that because they're like, feel like they're saying you're not as good at them. I've got more years experience to draw on of knowing quickly what the solution might be. But over here where you're doing great, I think you're flying. Let's keep helping you fly. Yeah. And again, that goes back to another theme that we come back to a lot, which is the importance of intention, right? And that intentional approach to management and navigating through these things in an intentional way, which I think is underlying anchor for doing this well as a manager. So if somebody has kind of listened to this and think, yeah, that's good. I'm kind of keen. This feels like me. I want to go ahead and sort of do this, maybe in that objective level approach with somebody. I'm thinking about doing this. What kind of questions do you think it would be good for them to reflect on and how can they sort of think a little bit about who they are in that space to to help them think about how they can do this well for themselves? Oh, that's a good question. So for me, one of the first questions around any kind of change in a managerial or team situation is, do I feel like the people in this group or the one-on-one person, if you're just introducing it into a single managerial relationship, do the people in this group have the words and confidence to communicate with each other? And for me, that really matters because if you're going to try something new, irrespective of what it is, but especially in coaching, people have to be able to find the words to say, yeah, this is working. Yeah, this isn't working. Or I'm a bit, actually, I didn't realize, but this is, I'm finding this much harder, et cetera. If you can't already have that dialogue about some things, then you're definitely going to struggle with it in something more personal, like a person's approach to it, asking people to reflect. I think how self-reflective are the people in this group or the people in this pair as well, like myself and that person, because I think it is an uphill battle. It's much easier to support your team to develop self-awareness and self-reflection first and then move to coaching, I think. Now, maybe that's because I don't have 
as much expertise in the transition to coaching. I've only done it myself two or three times and supported organizations to do it. But definitely for me, that sort of opening up of conversation and that sort of sense of self-awareness that people are. And then I guess how much this is something that's going to be welcomed would be the other question. So I have worked with people where I've been like, this is going to be brilliant long term. They might not love it to start with, and they may feel I've taken their sort of stabilizers off. So those of you who know little, like kids' bikes that have the little stabilizers on them, I think there are some people who get really nervous about that when you're moving to a coaching approach and like you're going to be there for them. So you kind of have to give them that certainty. But also some people just don't like change, right? They find it less naturally easy to navigate and they certainly don't get excited about it. So I guess being realistic about how people might receive news of an impending change would be the questions I'd start with. And then me, I'd be like, Google and Google Scholar are your friends. Start being really clear what you think good looks like for example, I think is really important. I think like, what do I actually want this to look like? And how is it going to show up in my different contexts? Is it going to show up in one-to-ones, in team meetings? If I'm only doing it with one person, am I going to do it multiple? Get really clear, really focused on what this looks like. And then I think those are the probably the places I'd start. What about you? Yeah, I think those are all great. I think that what does good look like is a great question. What does good look like for you? How much is good enough? Is it good just to have tried this and started it? I think that's good. I think sort of going back to the why do you want to do it is helpful. I know we've sort of talked a little bit, but I'm a real believer in the benefit of being able to tell your story. So like the more you have to explain why you're doing something or what you're doing, I kind of feel the better you become at internalizing it and having it be part of you and the way that you work. So being clear on your story, why do you want to do this? What's your personal story around it? How does what you're doing fit with you as a person? How do you want to bring all that together? I think it's really important. And that could be linking with who you are, with other times you've managed others or times you've been managed or things you've seen and just trying to have a story to tell about what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. and being able to practice that story a few times can really help you bring it to life so you really know what it is and can connect with it and then the other thing i think is probably helpful to do potentially as you're telling that story a little bit is to reflect on which of your strengths would you be able to call on to help you do this well So this is the story. I am this person. This is how I've got here. This is what I want to do. This is where it's going to get me. This is how it's going to help. That's the story. And then around that, and I'll be able to be successful in doing this because it lets me call on these strengths and the things that I enjoy doing in these ways. So having that whole sort of internal monologue of what it is, why you're doing it, and the things that you bring to it that'll help you do well with it and achieve good outcomes for you and those around you is, I think, a really helpful thing to do. And I think there's some little activities you can do. You can write out your story of why you want to do it and what good looks like and write out how your strengths will help you do that. And I think that's probably a good way to think through some of this. So those would be my kind of reflections on that sort of initiation place. I've got one more as well, which is kind of a build on something you already said rather than anything new, but being really clear which bits you'll find difficult absolutely, so that you can articulate that and show yourself to be in a place of vulnerability, I think is really important when you're making any kind of change. I think like being able to say, okay, so I know sometimes I'm going to slip into hierarchy and this is as much a growth and a challenge for me as for you, I think, or if it is, I think it's a useful teaming tactic, if you like, of a common goal of being better at it rather than a singular goal of I will learn to coach you and you will learn to be coached. But yeah, all of the above. 
for what you said. And so I guess that's a little bit of a question to ask yourself. If somebody was going to go out and sort of have a bit of a plan to do this, we've talked a little bit on some about pre stuff, about questions they can ask themselves, about thinking through it. How would you actually go about doing it? Like when you've done it, like what are the steps you might take or things you might think through and work through? things to bear in mind if you're trying to do. I think I definitely would want to, well, we're thinking about that. I think I said earlier about like that vision of what it looks like. I think understanding to what extent you want to bring coaching in. Is it about bringing in coaching into a one-to-one relationship or is it about creating more of a coaching culture? And I think there is a difference. So understanding where you're going to bring it in and making a plan for it. I think deciding how, I know this sounds ridiculous, but just, well, it doesn't sound ridiculous, but it sounds a little bit detail-oriented for someone who's into coaching, but deciding how you want to speak about it, the language you use. So I think you were just talking about like, write your story. And I think deciding the language that you're trying to introduce and being really clear, oh, sounds ridiculous, but be really clear on what you mean by that. So if you say, I want to take more of a coaching approach to the way I manage you and you're looking at your team, what does that mean for you in detail? And can you articulate it? Because that's going to define what success looks like for you. That's going to define what their expectations are and how they give you feedback. And I think that really matters. I think once you've decided where it's going to show up in your processes, then for me, it's about looking at things like, let's say you're going to change all of your one-to-one and team meetings to be a more coaching-led approach, for example. I think it's about sitting down and looking at your agendas and I guess the first place I would start is how can we turn everything into a question that is meaningful and helpful to both parties? I have a lovely thing I've probably talked about before on the podcast where I had this boss, as some of you may have heard him on Russell Findlay, he was actually on one of our episodes. And I remember Russell wanted me to get better at delegating. And I remember he said to me one year, I'm only going to judge you on the work that is delivered by your team. That's it. That's all he said. <laughs> he said, I'm only giving you one objective this year. And that is, can your team deliver more? And I'm going to leave you to it. And I'm going to be here when and if you want to discuss how you're getting on. And that was kind of relatively radical approach. But he knew me. He knows I'm quite goal oriented. And he gave me a very specific focus. And then he kind of put the ball in my court. And the first probably three months of that year, I was rubbish at it. And I didn't ask him for any help because I was like, I'm going to go and show him how I did it. And then sure enough, three months in, something went wrong. I couldn't handle it. I got all dictatorial with my team. And I went and sat down and he took me for coffee. And I was like, right, what would you have done? And I know that's quite a radical way of doing it. And I wouldn't do that with a less experienced member of staff. But it completely fundamentally reset our relationship because it put the ball in my court. And it said, hey, I know you're passionate. I know you're dedicated. Come to me when you're ready and we'll work out what I can do for you to help you think through, reflect. And then once he got into that space, and I think a lot of that came from setting a really good, clear, co-agreed single objective, right? And that's what he coached me on, right? That doesn't mean that when we were writing financial accounts and stuff like that, we weren't still having meetings. I still had to like show up my budget and discuss it. And I still did all of that. But in this single objective that he was going to judge me for, he was saying, I'm here. You can have whatever you need from me, but you need to decide that and own that. And for someone who was quite experienced, it was a real departure for me. And I loved it. I mean, I didn't love it for the first three months, but I loved it. And it completely radically changed my approach. So I guess from that, what am I saying? Well, know the person, understand which bits of the job that you want the person and the person wants to attack that you can best help them with as a manager. Because I think that's what Russell did. He knew what he could help me with. And he gave me a little bit of space to fail, right? Because he knew first three, it was, we were an events organization. First three months is far less risk critical because we've got another six months to fix it. So he was really clever like that. If I'm honest, James, 
I've probably only just realized that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say at the beginning, but this is a learning conversation for us as well, because we don't know all the answers to everything and we don't know what we're going to say. So it's great to, to have those little moments. I think that's lovely. I think that's a really great story. I guess for me, we've talked about some of this stuff already, but as you were speaking, I scribbled down a few notes and sort of built on what you were saying. And so I was just going to share this. I think, how might you go about this? Well, we talked about being clear on your story as an individual, as a manager, why you want to do this. I think that's a great starting point. I think having a conversation with your line manager and being clear that you're going to do this and talk about that and sort of do a bit of contracting with them about what this looks like is fabulous. I think, again, doing the same thing with your team. So back to your point about articulating earlier, making sure that everyone is up to speed a little bit about this and holding those conversations lightly and holding that sort of contracting stuff lightly so that it's space, it's able to change is helpful. I think within that, there's a piece about understanding what good enough looks like for you, right? Like giving yourself permission for this not to be perfect. And as you said, Russell gave you permission to fail. Giving yourself permission to fail in some of that early contracting, I think is really important. And another early stage thing I'd try and do is, if I were doing this again, is to find a peer support conversation, find somebody else I could internally or externally who I could have those sort of peer conversations to sort of peer coaching one-to-ones myself on a semi-regular basis to talk through what's going well and what isn't. I think then, as you said, reviewing the individuals in your team and where there are opportunities within their set of objectives or workloads to adopt a coaching approach would be really great. Being really clear on those sort of bite-sized starter points for a coaching approach, I think is wonderful. And sharing them and discussing them with the individual and agreeing those, I think it was a great starting point. I think gaining a little bit of insight into coaching, a couple of basic coaching models. It doesn't need to be rocket science. There is this whole approach and ethos, but it's probably useful to have a sense of some kind of model, whether you use it or not. I think it's good. You talked about spaces. I'd agree with that. Find out where you're going to do this. Is it team meetings? Is it one-to-ones? Is it operational updates? What is making sure that you space out time for yourself to celebrate the successes along the way? I think it's good. Making sure that you ask for feedback from your team as you're doing this, I think is really important. And I loved your point about language. And actually, I was reading, or I've started a book last week called Leadership is Language. It's David Marquette's second book. And there's some really great little examples in there about shifts in language fit that we can make to effectively move towards this better share of voice, better empowerment, that sort of more coaching overall approach. And I think getting a little bit of clarity on some of those sort of linguistic shifts and trying to bring them into the broader approach that you use is really helpful. A great example that I kind of remembered from his sort of analysis is the difference between kind of binary answers and more scalar answers. So instead of saying to somebody, are you confident that this is the right thing to do? In which that case, most people would say yes. You could say, how confident are you? So opening up and shifting some of those sort of questions from closed binary questions to more open questions and trying to be intentional about language and plan through that language across what you do can be a great thing. And one of the things we talk about in all kinds of places is how are you doing versus how are you doing today, right? So all those little intentional, I'm you smiling as, as we talk about that, but playing with that language and trying to give yourself space to practice and prep and think through that language, I think is really important. Because as you said, a lot of this is about the way that we use language to communicate and to open up space for people to step into and to invite participation and to support people to take ownership. So yeah, I guess those are my thoughts on how I'd go about doing this were I doing it again. Yeah. And I think, I guess the one thing I would add is if you're totally brand new to this and you're just thinking about introducing coaching into an individual situation, so you're a manager, you manage one person or you introduce it just with one person, I think your advice in the middle there about find a model and try it out is excellent. I think it's really useful just to think, there's a phrase inside one of the psych safety books, how do I ask a question I don't know the answer to? 
And I just think for me, it's really helped with coaching. It's brilliant. Right? Yeah. It's such a great thing. So how as a manager do I sit in a one-to-one and ask a question of this person I genuinely don't know the answer to? And it's always going to be things like, what do you think? What do you feel? What's your preference? And I think that straight away puts you into a different mindset because it's like the assumption is always with a traditional hierarchical one-to-one between a manager and individual. Well, you know everything and I know nothing. And I think that flip is probably, if you're just wanting to dip your toes, I think that's yeah, a really oh, nice that's lovely. What a great starting point. And it's about creating space for them to fill right? To give them that voice, to help them think. And you both learn in those conversations. It's absolutely brilliant. So I think that's kind of our thoughts on what we could do. Oh, here's a question for you. Does one ever finish this? Like, how do you know if you're done with adopting a coaching approach? Or like, how can you navigate that piece? Or is this something that's like a forever thing? Like, how do you work out what good is for you? Like where you've gotten to? And do you want to stop? Do you want to focus on something else? How do you know if you're there, I guess? So I think that's a great question. I'm going to split it. I think number one, as long as teams have new people joining and people leaving, there will always be a need to think about not being done because you may be introducing people into the way that you do things, even if as a team, you've got fairly established practices. So I think firstly, there's that. And I think people who enjoy change, I think sometimes then forget about needing to recreate that process of almost onboarding to that culture. I think you could infinitely continue as long as the research continues. And as long as coaching progresses, there'll be new and different, exciting ways to coach if you want to. I think not to sound academic about it, but it kind of depends what you're trying to achieve, right? So a little bit, I think it depends on where are you trying to get to. And I think there is a probably a pragmatic good enough of people are much more autonomous about how they learn. People are much more supportive to each other and able to sort of ask those questions because they're replicating their manager. And therefore you are at a place where every member of the team understands coaching and the approach well enough and is using it well enough that it is you're getting the majority of the benefits as an organization and there's a balance. So I don't guess I'm cheating because I'm saying, yes, you can be done, but no, you're not done, depending on the scenario and the appetite. It's not what you said. It depends. I think that's what you said. Yeah, we love a bit of it depends, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I don't think I'd really add much to it. I guess the one little thing I'd build on is that I think if it starts to feel like you're naturally in that space, then maybe there's less need to focus so much on it. Because if your instinct is to adopt that sort of question-led empowering space, then you're probably pretty far along that journey. I think think that's that's true. I think the one thing I do see with people who are really natural is sometimes they forget to articulate it and sometimes they struggle to understand why other people struggle with it. Yeah. I guess the one just caveat I would say is if it feels natural, think harder about how you're making sure people get it. Yeah. Because you might be like, oh, I'm just doing this. And they may think that's the way everyone is. And they also might not understand what's happening for them. Because people who are, their natural preferences sit within that space, I think, tend to do it everywhere. And therefore, if they're transitioning someone in, it sometimes can be hard. Yeah, no, that's a great job. So I think we should probably start to wrap that up. I think we've covered quite a few things there about a coaching approach and why and what and how and what good looks like and all those types of questions. Have you got any reflections? Is there anything that you've learned? I mean, one of our objectives, as I mentioned earlier, was to learn through this as well. Is there anything that sort of stood out for you? As a take I think there's learned? a few things that I'm going to mention. One is, those of you who don't know, we've got a new, we've got someone else join us at the World of Work Project, Laura, who's working with us. And I think just in this conversation, reflecting on some of the conversations I've had with her during her early months, how much my understanding of coaching has inadvertently influenced how I go about things without consciousness, which is, I guess, why I mentioned that bit before, because I was like, oh, look at that. And then I guess the other thing is I quickly, while we were recording this, I was actually looking back over my list of things I want to read to see if there was anything coaching related because I haven't read anything for a while. And I came across David Clutterbuck's and David Meganson's coaching, what's it called? It's called Making Coaching Work, Creating a Coaching Culture. 
And it's been on my list for ages. So I'm going to go away and re-dig in for that because I think it's a really interesting book about not the coaching, how to coach one-to-one, but or even indeed teams, but how do you transition a team into a coaching approach and what that looks like. And so I'm going to read that, which is definitely a reflection that I need to dip back in. And then I guess... My third reflection is not coaching related. Is that allowed? Yes, go for it. I'm very Okay, excited. so this is the first time we've had a conversation like this, James. And if I'm really honest with listeners, one of the reasons we're doing it this way is because you and I are really busy at work and it's really great. And we've got some amazing clients, but we're not spending a huge amount of time at the moment together thinking and talking. We're talking very much like on our clients who are amazing and we want to help. And so just talking through stories today has even made me go away and think about a little bit of self-coaching, a little bit of where I need to be different and just taking a different look at what some of the stuff that has happened to me before and what it might mean for how I understand myself. So brilliant. It's rejuvenating, isn't it, to have a chance to chat like this? It is um, a little bit. I hope other people feel like that. It's lovely yeah, to talk yeah. about this stuff. Me too. I've got a couple of little reflections that I'm just going to touch on and things that have sort of stood out for me. I think your point about talking about it and being able to explain it, really helpful to others. I think that's really helpful. I've kind of really anchored in on that self-story and the power of our own narratives in this. I think what's your story for this is a great way to try and frame all these things. And that helps you with that intentional piece. There's a lot of intentionality around this, but if we can embed it in the story of what we're doing, I think that's really helpful. I was kind of surprised how much we ended up speaking about language. I don't know why I was surprised because that's what so much of this is, but boom, there we are. It sort of came up and we focused on that. And I guess the other thing that is something I'm working on in like everything I do, but I think is really important here as well, is this ability to hold stuff lightly. And we talk about that a lot, but if we can be intentional, but hold it all a little bit lightly, you talked about Russell giving you permission to fail. If we can do that little bit of giving ourselves permission to not be perfect as we're doing this, then I think that's really a wonderful thing to help us go through all kinds of changes. But particularly when we're trying to implement things like this, if we give ourselves permission to not be 100% right all the time, then we're more likely to do better and to have better impacts on others as well. So those are, I guess, some of my points. Cool. Well, I guess that's our conversation, Jane. That's episode one of this little series on what is it like management challenges for the 21st century i don't know what we're calling it but something like that i think we're definitely no i was actually gonna say was, i was quickly mentally thinking are we in the 21st century which shows, yeah. shows how problematic <laughs> my brain is at the moment yeah no and i guess that just leaves for us to sort of check in for the rest of the day and then yeah. check out with the audience so i've already said today's been really helpful for me personally as a first. So that's really exciting. I'm feeling a little bit nervous to see what listeners think oh, of us going. And let us know, more. right? Like, let us know how we could do better or if there's stuff you want us to speak about if we carry on this kind of dilemma-based approach, which we'll do for a little while this year. Yeah. And do you know what's really lovely? And I'll share this and whatever. I'm kind of excited about putting this out because yeah, I'm like, too. it's the first time in a while that I felt like we've had that. And definitely for the rest of the day, I've got quite a full day, but I feel a little bit more spring in step confidence about work. So I'm like, hey, me and James. And also what's hilarious, James, is when we, so those of you who don't know, James and I run World of Work Project together and we've gone through quite a big year. We've had quite a lot of new clients on, which has been great. But also sometimes we have to challenge each other quite a lot, right? Because we're trying to work out how to approach things. And having this conversation, literally four times, I've written down what you've said, or (laughs) I've said something and realized you were about to say it. So it's a little bit of a reinforcement that for a lot of the things we think, actually, we have a very similar approach. But there's just also variation, which I love. So I'm feeling really good. And I am going to crack on with some client development work. So we're doing a big piece of work on culture at the moment and values. And I won't say who it's with, but I'm really looking forward to planning out the next phase of that. Yeah, brilliant. 
Oh, that's lovely. Well, my day is unsurprisingly fairly similar to yours. I've got lots of client conversations this afternoon. I'm going to spend some time building out or sort of refreshing the connected management development program that we're kicking off in the end of April. So I'm looking forward to getting a bit closer. We've got it there. We've delivered it four times already. But every time I leave stuff alone, can we change? That's the, that's the honest truth. We can't just do things again. So I'm going to jump back into that and refresh that a little bit and work. And then I've got Run Club. It's a Tuesday for those of you who are curious. And I've got a little running group that I go to on Tuesday evening. So I'm going to go and do that and check in with everybody later. And I'm looking forward to that. So that's kind of what the rest of the day is for me. So I guess that's it. It's a goodbye from us. And hopefully we'll have you join us in our next episode. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that everyone can attend. You can sign up for these and our newsletter, The Wow Mail, on our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io.